one passage of scripture and going to talk about something that we've spent some time in the 19th of December. I'm going to continue that. Simply says, nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, in other words, whatever position we are in, whatever we have reached, whatever we have accomplished, and we're still striving to move forward, but wherever we are, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. The same rule and the same thing has to do with forgetting those things which are behind and pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, the calling of God. The same rule is that we should always be pursuing the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's the rule. And uh, I want to speak to you tonight about a few more elements of the rule that Paul is talking about. Lord, we thank you and praise you for your blessing and your anointing that we feel in the house of God tonight. Direct us tonight. Let there be a strength that comes from your word tonight. We give to you thanks in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Identifying with Jesus Christ, obviously, is one of the major tenets of the Christian faith that we should become more like him. Not more like ourselves, certainly not more like the world or influenced by those things, but influenced by the spirit of God in our life. And we have something within us that gives us the ability to pursue that goal. And what is within us is the power of the Holy Ghost. And so Paul describes a rule here, and he talks about identifying with Jesus Christ as being one of the uh, preeminent things that should occupy our lives with, identifying with Jesus. And so that means uh, drawing close to him, being influenced by him. And it not only means drawing close to him, but it also means a, an ongoing rejection of the world that is around us. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So my life is defined not as by the world, but it's defined by God and his word. We do not live our lives based on definitions of the world. You can see around us, especially in this world that we live in, a confused world. Definitions change from day to day. They change rapidly. And so we don't define our lives by those rules, the rules of the world. But my life is defined by the word of God. Even when I don't agree with it, it's still defined by the word of God. Even when I do agree with it, it's defined by the word of God. So in everything that I do, my life is defined by the scripture. It's the anchor of my soul. It's the foundation that is underneath me. Jesus said, build your life on a foundation that is like a rock, not shifting sand. A wise man does that. A foolish man builds his house on something that is shifting sand. You build your life on something that is shifting and it's going to change and there's going to be destruction. But but if you anchor yourself in the word of God, there is something that is going to be stable in your life and there's going to be an anchor that will hold in every situation of life. This is why the word of God should be so pronounced in our life. And so I'm to connect with him. And at the same time, I am to reject some things. 
I'm not to think from a worldly perspective. I'm not to be under the power of the world. I'm not to be identified with the wicked of the world. God has called me and he's called you to greater things. You're on a pursuit of a high calling. And that is a worthy pursuit. And Paul said that is a rule that we should all be following. There are other elements of that particular rule. And one of those is what I would, there's actually two that I would like to discuss tonight. The first one is Paul believed that suffering transforms a life, his life, into the process of being more Christ-like. Suffering, entering into difficult times is going to mold and shape me into be becoming more Christ-like. If I don't enter through that suffering, and that suffering can come in a myriad of ways, but per, for Paul, it was a shaping process. It was the potter that has power over the clay that molds and shapes us. We find this kind of reasoning in his writings in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 7. He says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. What God does through his power and his anointing is not something that we do, but to God be the glory. If there's ever been any victory in your life, you need to give God thanks for it because it's through the empowerment of his spirit that you're here in the house of God today. If there's ever been a victory, you can stand and say, my testimony, my testimony is because of the anointing of God in my life. I wouldn't be here if it had not been for the ability of God's spirit in my life. And Paul reflected upon that and he recognized that. And he said, this is just an earthen vessel, but there's an excellent power in the earthen vessel. Praise God. I must decrease, but he must increase. Meaning it's not this earthen vessel that needs to increase, but it's the power in the earthen vessel that gives the power and gives the ability. Then Paul described that suffering like this. He said, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. There's a manifestation that's taking place in our body when we go through these things. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life works in you. Ladies and gentlemen, when you are troubled on every side, there is life working in you. It's not distressing. It may be troubling, but we are not distressed. When we run into stuff and we are perplexed, Paul said, you may be perplexed, but there's a spirit of God in you that allows you to not be in despair. You may be persecuted, but know this, even in your persecution, there is a 
God that is faithful to you and he's not walked away from you. He has not forsaken you, but he's still there. You may feel cast down, but know this, you are not destroyed. The elements are still there and the anointing of God is still there and you may feel cast down, but it's not over because there is a power that is in your life. Praise God. You may be bearing about you in your body the marks of, of difficulty and frustration and suffering, but know this, God is doing a work in your life, and he's molding you, and he's fashioning you. Don't be afraid of difficulty. Don't be afraid of suffering. Know that it draws me closer to God. If I never had a problem, I probably wouldn't have a trust in God. If I never had a difficulty, I probably wouldn't grow closer to God. But when I enter into temptation and difficulties and struggles, you know what it does? It drives me to the place of saying it's not within my own ability. Ability, but I'm seeking you and I'm seeking your hand and I'm seeking you. I'm seeking a trust in you. Praise God. Nobody likes problems. Everybody would like to avoid problems. Praise God. But if you didn't have any problems, you wouldn't have any need of God either. I said, if you didn't have any suffering, you wouldn't have any need of God either. But when you enter into difficulties, you recognize the only way I'm getting out of this, the only way I'm getting through this, the way I'm that I'm overcoming this is going to be when I get closer to the master. I would say to you tonight, if you've got problems, you're in the right place. You need to get closer to God. When there's difficulties, you need to get closer to God. He'll carry you through. Paul said, death works in us, but life works in you. He said in Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 10, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. And I like that part, I'll be honest. The power of his resurrection. He's not a dead God, but he's a living God. People can worship to that, praise to that, run to that, jump over a wall to that. Because that's power, that's strength, that's anointing, that's the empowerment of God. You shall receive power. Everybody blows up, no pun intended, because they want the power, they want the dynamite, they want. But then Paul, he didn't stop there. He went on to say, it balances that whole thing out. He went on to say that I might know him in the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. Paul said, I want to know him in his power, but I also, also want to walk in the shoes of his suffering and his difficulty. Think about that for a minute. That is so anti-carnality. If you're trying to find anything that is anti uh, our own carnal nature, that's it. Walking in his suffering. I don't want to suffer. I don't want to face all that. I want to avoid that. And if I, if I enter into some of those things, I'll blame everybody and everything else. But what Paul said is God is calling me not only to the power of his resurrection, but he's calling me to the fellowship of his suffering. Paul's desiring that. I want to be found in that. You tell me somebody that comes out and say, I, I, today I just want to walk in the fellowship of his suffering. I'm 
looking for struggles. I'm looking for difficulties. Why would anybody ever say that? Because they understand and they recognize this. God's the same God in the power of the resurrection, and he's the same God in the fellowship of the suffering. He does not change. There is no variableness in him. There is no shadow of turning in him. And so when I go through those things, I know that God is going to be in the midst of those things. And in the midst of those things, he is going to prove me. You know how you gain credibility? You gain credibility by going through difficult stuff. Paul said in one of his writings to a young minister, he said, not a novice, lest they get lifted up. Why was he saying that? Because a novice is somebody that doesn't have enough credibility. And so he writes to Titus and he says, God has put you on the island of Crete and you're among, among a, a, a bunch of unruly people. The Cretans, he said, are evil beasts. And you're there. What's happening on the island of Crete is you're standing up for truth in an environment and in a difficulty that's going to prove you and test you. Could you put me some on some other island where things are already happening and people actually want to be in church? Why'd you have to give me these carnal folks? Because, Titus, God's going to produce something in you. Sound speech that cannot be condemned. You don't operate based on what they're doing. You operate based on the calling of God in your life and God's going to prove you and God's going to test you if you're the only one living for God and everybody else is not know that God's doing a work there because he's proving you yeah but I want to be where everybody else is worshiping God Titus he didn't put you on the island of Crete with everybody else worshiping God but he's building something in your life and he's producing a ministry in your life that is going to bear forth fruit in your life because you understand this is how God produces the goods, the credibility in my life through patience, through patience. Everyone say patience through patience. Tested character is developed and tested character brings hope. Think about Abraham. Think about for that matter. Think about Hebrews 11. Everybody in the Hebrews 11 Chronicles are tested people. Yes, are they not? They are tested people. Hebrews chapter number 11. It starts, it starts with Abraham, but it quickly describes many others. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. Enoch, an individual that was tested. Noah, of course he was tested. People laughed at him and mocked him when he's building an ark. Abraham, when he's called to go into a place that he does not know, and he sojourns in a land of promise. Sarah herself, questioning God, she is tested even in her old age about a promise that God gives. Joseph, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, tested. Moses chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Tested. Walls of Jericho came down. The children of Israel, tested. Rahab, perished not with them. She was tested. And the writer said, what more can I say? 
about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets. And then he talks about all of those and who were incomplete without us. These all obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect. What's going on there? Every single one of them in the scripture. Are they perfect people? No, they're not perfect people. Are they tested people? Yes, they are tested people. And they come through in the midst of their suffering, in the midst of their testing. And God reveals that in the midst of that is an opportunity to grow closer to God. Amen. God's going to put you through some suffering. And Paul said that's one way to become Christ-like is to go through difficulty. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 2, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. I want you to, I want you to listen to this. I want you to hear this. I want this to seep into your pores here tonight. This is amazing. And not only so, in verse number 3, but we glory, we glory, we glory, we glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience, experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Suffering produces a Christ-like character. Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 3, Paul said, Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are you now made perfect by the flesh? You're not going to reach perfection in the flesh you're going to reach perfection in the spirit. Have you suffered so many things in vain? The sufferings that you have gone through are not in vain. Many times you'd like to go back and you would like to erase all the suffering, all the circumstances, all the consequences. You can't go back and erase all those things. They are a part of your life. They're always going to be a part of your life. But what did they produce in you? Did they drive you away from God or did they drive you to God? If they drive you to God, there is a forming and there is a fashioning that God produces in your life. You're not going to start in the spirit and be made perfect by carnality. You're going to be made perfect by staying in the spirit. And it's going to produce some things in your life. It's not vain and it's not worthless it's what develops your faith. Anybody suffered some things in life? Anybody been on the suffering end of some things in life? Anybody in the suffering here tonight? Careful, be careful who you're raising your hands. <laughs> who you're close by. Praise God. All of us, yes. All of us face difficult times. God knows what he's doing. And the challenge is, how am I going to rise to that challenge? What am I going to do with this? Am I going to check out, walk away, leave, acquiesce? Or am I going to bear up like Paul and said, thank God. Praise God. I glory in the fact that you've got me in this spot and in this place. It's a great opportunity, these tribulations. 
to develop patience because patience is going to do a work and it's going to produce hope. I'll tell you this. I've seen some people walk away because it's too hard. It's too difficult. And God never put a calling in them that, would, that ever materialized because they gave up. And I've also seen some people with a lot of reasons to walk away and give up that have said, you know what, I'm going to straighten my shoulders and I'm going to trust in God and there's going to be a miracle that comes out of this and I've seen God do great, great things in the midst of all that they're going through. God knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing and Paul said, this is the rule that we're following. We're following the rule of becoming Christ-like in a high calling. And so these are, the one of, these are one of the ways that you get at being Christ-like through difficulties. This is not a popular message in our world today. You avoid any kind of pain and suffering. But that's not biblical. The scripture said God puts us in those moments. Sometimes it feels like there's, we're in a vice. We're in between a rock and a hard place. But Paul said there, there, there's a work in God. God's working and molding on us. Praise God. You, you put some of these pieces together and you see how God through the suffering knows how to develop us. Another element, the second element here tonight of becoming Christ-like is... You've got to experience the presence of God in your life. I'll be the first to tell you right now, if I'm going through suffering, I want to feel the presence of God. As if, if I'm going through difficult times and there's no Holy Ghost, I'm in big, big trouble. This is a problem with a lot of people in our world when they run into st tough stuff and the Holy Ghost is not there. What are you going to do then to escape from the tough stuff? You're going to develop some coping mechanisms. This is why addictions are so rampant in our world. I want to get out of the suffering that I'm in. I want to check out whether it's through alcohol or pills or drugs, through immorality, variety of things. You could go on and on and on with things that people check out because they're trying to avoid pain. This living for God business is going to have some pain. This is one of the things sometimes new converts don't understand. I thought when I came to God, everything was going to smooth out and I was going to have no problems. And some people even say, why should I be a part of that place? Those people are a bunch of hypocrites. I'm just going to walk away because they have problems like everybody else. Well, the difference is, the difference is what we're going to use to cope with our difficulties and issues is going to be the presence of God and the spirit of God and not all of those other things that you're going to find out in the world. And ultimately, we may be struggling, but our soul is at stake. And while we're still trying to work on our soul, what are you doing that have walked away from everything and you're involved in all of that stuff? It's only going to bring dysfunction and destruction. I'd rather be in the midst of suffering, but I need the hand of God and the presence of God in my life. There is no... You're never going to get into Hebrews 11 if the presence of God is not operating with you. There's never going to be any annals that say, Brother so-and-so made it through without the Holy Ghost and the presence of God in his life and in her life. 
presence of God has got to be there to draw us closer to him. How am I going to be Christ-like? I've got to get into the presence of God. I've got to make every effort to get into the presence of God. Exodus chapter 34, verse number 29, Moses comes down from Mount Sinai. And when he comes with the tables of testimony, he comes down from a meeting with God and his face is shining as he is talking to God. And when the children of Israel see Moses and they see the skin of his face, they were afraid to come nigh to him. And Moses called all of them to him. He talked with them. And when he had done speaking, he put a veil on his face. But when he went in before the Lord to speak with him, he took the veil off until he came out. What was happening? The presence of God so illuminated his visions and his life. This is one of the greatest examples of why we don't do makeup. People say, well, that's crazy. That's Old Testament. It's also in the New Testament because Stephen also had a shining face. And so the Old Covenant and the New Covenant explains that the presence of God and the Spirit of God is what should illuminate in your life. And you shouldn't cover it with anything. It should shine forth. And it should be brilliant because that's what the presence of God does. When you walk out of an encounter with God, there is something that transforms who you are that can be seen by other people that should not be shadowed or should be hid. Let the Holy Ghost shine in your life. Praise God. And somebody said amen. Hallelujah. We need the Spirit of God to operate in us and to shine forth out of us. Moses' faith was, there was a transformation. This is getting into the presence of God. Saul had such a great beginning in 1 Samuel chapter 10. And Samuel told him, the spirit of the Lord is going to come upon you. And you're going to prophesy and you are going to be turned into another man. You're going to be turned into another individual. Why? Because this is what the presence of God does. This is why we should make every effort following the rule of pursuing a high calling to make sure that there is a move of God and there is a presence of God that we can enter into. I'm going to make every effort to get there. Joshua the high priest was another example as he's standing in Zechariah chapter 3 and verse number 1 before the angel of the Lord and Satan is standing right there with him. And the angel says to Satan, the Lord rebuke thee, O Satan, even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments, and behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from you. I will clothe you with the change of raiment. When you get in the presence of God, there is a transforming that takes place. Praise God. When God touches you, you walk away different. There's something different about your uh, personification, your visions. Moses experienced it. Joshua experienced it. Saul experienced it. Praise God. Isaiah said, I was standing in the sanctuary and I saw the Lord high and lifted up and because of that power and that presence of God I said to myself 
Woe is me. I am a man that is undone. My lips are unclean. Praise God. The presence of God shined a light upon him and his personality, upon his humanity, upon his humanness. Many times we don't see ourselves. And so here Isaiah is seeing the Lord high and lifted up. And when he sees God high and lifted up, it is a it is a directive, a direction of power and anointing that is reflected upon his own life. And he recognizes, I am, I, am, I am finite and he is infinite. I am so much less than what he is. And so God starts moving in his life. And the presence of God touches him to the point where he asks and he says, send me in the calling and mission of God. I'm willing to do the work of God. When you get in the presence of God, you forget about your own thing and you realize God's got a calling on my life. Send me. I'm willing to go. I'm not looking at everybody else. I'm asking, God, can you give me the task and can you give me the ability to step forth and do the work of God rather than looking at everybody else and everything else. Help me to see myself and put a calling of God on my life so that I can be anointed through your presence and through the touch of God and the hand of God and the work of God. Isaiah has a spectacular moment seeing the presence of God. Stephen reveals the presence of God in his life by the illuminated face. The Holy Ghost produces benefits and builds up the believer and it produces a maturity the more you can get in the presence of God the more mature you're going to become carnal people usually make carnal mistakes spiritual people have more of a tendency to make spiritual decisions and what's the difference? The difference is somebody's, one person's making an effort to get in the presence of God and another person's not interested in getting in the presence of God. You want to be Christ-like and follow the rule of pursuing the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus? You got to make an effort to get in the presence of God. Praise God. Every time you come to the house of God, I'm making an effort to get in the presence of God. And sometimes it is an effort. Amen. Even in this building tonight, there's not as many here because we've been decimated by flu and sickness. But just because there's a few doesn't mean that we can't make noise for the most and the more. It's an effort. It's an effort. Well, not everybody's here tonight, so we could take our foot off the gap. Who said that? Who said that? There may be somebody in this place that needs the Holy Ghost. And just because everybody's not here doesn't mean that the Holy Ghost can't fall. Hallelujah. Doesn't mean that the Holy Ghost can't move. It's an effort. It's an effort to get in the presence of God. Every single day, spending time in the Word and, and praying, it takes an effort. You're not naturally going to get up by your own human nature and say, I want to be spiritual today. No, the first thing that hits you between the eyes is, I'd really love to just be carnal. It's a natural thing. It's natural to be carnal. It just, just happens. It naturally goes that way. It takes an effort to be spiritual. And so to get in the presence of God and be Christ-like means 
I may go through some suffering, but I'm going to make an effort to get in the presence of God. Praise God as the musicians come tonight. The Holy Ghost produces benefits, benefits, and it builds up the believer. Praise God. When you are filled with the Holy Ghost, there are benefits that comes your way. Scripture said that there is a peace that passes all understanding. I want the Holy Ghost in my life because I want peace. I want the Holy Ghost in my life because of the benefit of joy, unspeakable and full of glory. Those are benefits. And it builds me up. It builds me up and it brings a maturation into my life. It brings a maturity. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 1 reveals this. That sounds like the second phone that's going off. If, if we weren't having a difficult time tonight because of the distractions and, and everything, and now we've got phones going off. Or it's a ringing. Let's all stand. Ladies and gentlemen, let's stand. Praise God. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away into these dumb idols. Wherefore, I give to you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed. And that no man can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Verse number seven. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. The Holy Ghost is given to me to profit. His Spirit, His anointing is given to me so that I can profit with all. I've got to make every effort to be in the presence of God. Praise God. In my disappointment, in my frustration, and I know in the house of God tonight, there's some of you that are going through circumstances in life that is a, a pertinent suffering and difficulty that's uncomfortable. Praise God. Paul said that's going to that's gonna make you better. That's going to that's gonna grow you. That's going to mature you. And you can come through that if you're in the presence of God and the anointing of God is in your life. But you have to make an effort to get into God's anointing and God's ability. So strength comes and anointing comes. Praise God. Let's lift up our voice tonight and thank the Lord in the house of God that his presence is in this place. Praise God. I feel his presence in this place and know that he carries us through every battle, every struggle, every difficulty. He is a God that is faithful to his promise and to his word. Lord, I thank you and praise you. I ask that you would touch and anoint every person in this house tonight, that you would bring anointing and strength to them. Praise God that your presence would be a strength to them, that in that there would be a drawing close to you. Praise God. I give to you thanks and I praise you and I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Follow the same rule. What is it? It's pursuing the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And in the process of drawing close to him, anointing that gives me 
credibility and maturity. Amen. Praise God. It doesn't take much to look around and see that we are we are facing a flu season and we're coming off of a very, very busy week and there are many, many people sick. The Winkler family sick. Sister Black, Brother Roger Black says is had to take to urgent care. Shalisa Stewart, very sick, and they're planning on leaving town on Thursday for a conference in Louisiana. I want to pray for them. Fields family, sick. Kiffer Black, sick. Doty family, sick. Sister Frida Smith, sick. Brother Chris Seeley, sick. Bryson Rodriguez, sick. McAllister's. The Martin McAllister and family. Sick. So just sick, sick, sick. Flu as a strain of the flu that has hit during the holiday season and it's carried over into New Year. And so there's a lot of sickness. But period in the hospital, but Davis was able to um, be released from the hospital that had something to do with flu-like symptoms as well. The Portillo family, their babies are sick. So there's just a lot of, there's a lot of sickness. Praise God. We need the presence of God to cover and touch every single one of these. You will see names projected here tonight of individuals that need prayer. If you have something in your body here tonight and you want us to pray with you about it and for it, I want you to step out tonight from the pew where you are, walk to the front, and we're going to pray for you and believe that God is going to touch you and bring healing to you. Praise God. Amen. Let's lift up our voice together as we join together for each and every one of these individuals that have gathered together. Let's ask God to touch and heal and bring strength to them in Jesus' name. Praise God. Lord, we thank you and praise you and we worship you. We magnify